All right, we are going live here. Whoops, I got the screen happening. And okay, I think uh, things are working right now. So hello, it's Friday, it's May 1st. Welcome back to uh, another Q&A session. Uh, I'm happy to answer some questions today on whatever you guys wanna talk about. Guess who it's Cody, how old are you? 31, I'll be 32 in a couple of weeks. Uh, starting to get old, I guess. Um, I'm really excited this week. I just launched a video this morning with some updates to the virtual studio. If you're a person that uh, has been wanting to check out the virtual studio, there's some new uh, thing offerings, new offerings. You can check those out. Um, oops, sorry. We had our very first studio class today, so that was really fun. We heard from a bunch of our students uh, playing uh, some what they're working on, confirmation, a little moment's notice, a little bit of a lot of different things. So uh, feel free to drop some questions into the chat here. I got one from this week that came in already. I see another one already came in into the chat on Instagram. Feel free to drop it over here on Facebook. Um, feel free to say what's up in the chat. Kind of scrolling through. The audio is echoey. Hmm. That could be. I'm trying to figure out the best um, way to stream audio from the computer over over to there. I see. Oh, it's echoing. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'll just unplug it. All right. I'm sure it's fine like this. Probably better now. Okay. Less echo. I hope. Um, so I'll start with some questions. Feel free to drop some in as we go but there's a great question from leo mcmullen he asked what are what trombone solos do you think every trombonist should transcribe so um i think that depends on your level number one and i think it depends on what you're trying to get better at but for every trombonist if you're going to start it also depends on where you're starting and kind of your ability to uh, play the trombone when you start transcribing so that those are all factors when what we're going to say but i'm going to say that the first solo I recommend for people that are just starting out and they haven't transcribed anything yet is Miles Davis on So What. Now, I know it's not a trombonist, uh, but I do think it's a very accessible solo. There's not a lot of changes. There's not a lot of harmony. It's not crazy. It's very melodic. We can You can kind of get inside the sound. You can definitely understand what he's playing. And it all comes from that Dorian scale. Uh, so you can, you can know what the source material is before you even go and uh, start transcribing. So uh, it's very easy to, to start with. So that's what I think. Uh, I think that uh, that one's good. And then trombone solos, I think, that are important to transcribe are Curtis Fuller on Blue Train, J.J. Johnson on Laura, J.J. Johnson on Mysterioso, J.J. Johnson uh, Yesterdays, J.J. Johnson uh, Pennies from Heaven, J.J. Johnson um, uh, Old Devil Moon, J.J. Johnson, There's a lot of J.J. solos, and then pretty much uh, anything from Steve Davis uh, where he's playing over a standard. There's some really, really great solos. He's got a great one on Stablemates. He's got a great one on Have You Met Miss Jones. It Could Happen to You. These are all just like simple and clear solos uh, that help you to develop um, your melodic sense, your sense of harmony, all that sort of stuff. So those are important ones to check out. And then from there, I send people maybe to Clifford Brown or Hank Mobley to play some non-trombone language like uh, Joy Spring maybe or... Um, 
there's there's always a lot of things and i really like students to have agency over what they're transcribing i don't want to just tell them all the time what to transcribe uh, i want them to feel like they have you know the ability to to offer their opinion and their ability to um direct where we go so uh, I think it's important to, to, to think about all those things when you're choosing what to transcribe. And most importantly, you got to transcribe things you love. You know, don't only transcribe things that someone else tells you to do. You got to transcribe things that you like, uh, as well as things that your teacher wants you to transcribe. But um, there's certain tunes that definitely always will um, be effective. There's so a great JJ solo on Just Friends from his Live at the Village Vanguard. I could just list solos on and on and on. But if you're going to start, you've never transcribed anything, transcribe Miles Davis, So What, and then transcribe Curtis Fuller on Blue Train and leave out the fast parts. Uh, there's some double time stuff. And if you're struggling with double time or it's too much, um, just do um, single time, obviously. Uh, so just do leave those parts out. Just leave them out. You don't have to transcribe the whole thing to be effective. So um, trust me, just get in there and uh, make it happen. All right, so going back for more questions here, feel free to drop some in the chat if you're live. Let's see, where's the new question? Here we go, from Megarama9. How do you f how do you work on endurance without feeling burnt out all the time? Well, I'm not sure, Meg, if you're thinking thinking of like mental endurance or if you're t thinking about chop wise endurance um i mean the best way to work on endurance is to play all day on and off so that means like play half an hour on half an hour off half an hour on half an hour off or be involved in as many musical activities as you can be meaning rehearsals and stuff but obviously nobody can do that right now so that's not super uh relevant yeah chop wise okay great so play take lots of breaks and play all day um play all day that's how you develop endurance is playing a lot and uh if you're burnt out you went too far you didn't take enough breaks um that's that's the main thing about it um i like to practice endurance stuff at the end of my practice day not and have a um, a chance to to work on it when I'm already tired because if I'm already tired then I'm actually pushing myself uh, to build endurance rather than doing it at the beginning of the day and be burnt out for the whole day so for me that works pretty well or it did when I was in college um, when I'm feeling like I really need to build up endurance I like to do some exercises uh, from like the Caruso method the Caruso method is like trumpet method if you know about Caruso and um, that basically says the, basically, the thing I take away from it is that you would do these exercises and you would not move the mouthpiece. You would breathe through your nose and then play some more, but it would keep it set on your chops and it would uh, help you because there's so many micro adjustments that happen uh, in your chops that if you even move a little bit, it's going to change it, change um, what muscles and refresh it. So if you keep it and don't move, it's going to help actually get the... Um, chops and to to work and get that endurance happening but caveat i saw some other questions come in i'll get to you guys in a second but this is really important you got to be careful when you do these endurance exercises it's really really easy to get burned out and it's really really easy to injure yourself so you got to be careful uh, don't do too much be careful um, and don't and tension is the enemy in these cases so you want to be relaxed you want to focus on the breathing and just kind of being relaxed even though we are working on endurance so megarama play all day 
take breaks, 20 minutes on, 20 minutes off. Um, that's going to build your endurance and uh, practice endurance exercises at the end of the day so that you can push your chops at the end of the day, not at the beginning. And take plenty of breaks. People, Some people uh, is really effective if they actually make sure they're drinking water and being more hydrated. That can be super helpful. Anything that you would do to improve your athletic performance, you can do to improve your trombone performance. So that's that's where I would send you to. I saw some things here in the chat. I'm scrolling back. Jazz Boy recently transcribed a Bob Brookmeyer tune called Samba por Dos. That's great. Awesome. Love Bob Brookmeyer. We did a whole concert of his music uh, in the fall uh, at UNT with the big band that I direct. Big fan. Okay, this is from O Steny Boy. Hi, Nick. I sometimes get a bit overwhelmed when in, when the rhythm section is playing very busy and or complicated. It's not like I would get lost, but I tend to have a hard time finding my spot. That is a good question, and I want to give you a good answer. Um, let's see. I know exactly what you mean, and what I usually say in these moments when we're talking about listening to the rhythm section is how, you know, trying to think about the question, what does the music need right now? Um, what I find is you need to have a command of the rhythmic language of what the rhythm section is playing in order to engage with them. Um, so that means you, your time has to be really, really strong to start with. Uh, if you're working on your time and it's getting stronger, um, you can start to feel what they're doing, playing over the bar line and um, all that sort of stuff. Um, so that's the first thing, is being able to understand what they're doing. And then you either need to be able to play with or against what they're doing. One One strategy at first would be to ignore it. And, and let them just play with you in those moments. The other thing would be to try to play with them and try to accent the same accents that they're doing. Uh, a great way to practice this is to find a recording where this happens and try to improvise along with it. Um, it's on some play-alongs. If you listen to some of the Abersolds, there, it does happen from time to time that there'll be some kind of interactive moment and you can hear it. Uh, otherwise, go to your, some of your favorite recordings and find, listen for that interaction and see how they interact and actually try to pick it out because sometimes we're always listening for content like language and how they play and all this stuff. We're not actually listening to like how are they playing together. So that's a totally separate listening experience. So if you go through and listen to them again, all the tunes from a record, just listen really deeply like how do they interact, where do they leave space, and how do they do exactly what you're asking? How do they play together? Do they play the same thing? Are they bouncing off of one another? Are they uh, doing something totally different than that? Um, with that? So play with them, play against them, and just you have to expand your listening to understand like when they play something that's a cross rhythm or they play something that's complicated, what are they hearing? What context is that coming from in their head? You need to have that context as well to be able to uh, actually be able to participate in that conversation. You have to know what the words are that they're saying. You have to know what they're asking you, you know? So uh, expand your listening. Listen for how those things are interrelated. Listen for that interaction. Listen for how they play together rather than just um, what's happening. It's how they play together. So hopefully that helps. Uh, play with them, play against them, play the recordings that that happens on, and then take it from there. <clears throat> Jimmy King 25 what genres of music do you listen to besides jazz none jazz I'm not a big fan I'm not a huge fan of uh, hip-hop rock I kind of I stay in my lane you know it could be any like subgenre of jazz but basically I, that's what I listen to 
Um, and that's what I write and that's what I play. And uh, I'm just kind of focused in that way. And I don't think it's that bad. I mean, I've played plenty of those other kinds of gigs, but if I'm going to listen to something that I want to listen to, it's going to be, be that. Uh, I'm going to quickly jump over to Facebook here. And there's a question. Uh, add this to broadcast. From Nate Campbell, how do you work on playing fast tempos? Um, which is a good question, I think. Um, fast tempos, okay. So what usually happens is that we don't practice them in kind of a strategic way. We have to practice playing fast, slow. I'll say that one more time. We have to practice playing fast, slow. So that means this, what kind of ideas are you trying to execute at the fast tempo and how can we practice them at the slow tempo? So um, that means for me as a trombonist, I need to double tongue a lot of the time. So I need to practice the double tongue slow and I also need to practice the vocabulary slow that I'm working on. So that means for me at least that I need to double tongue slow the vocabulary at this tempo so I can play it twice as fast. Right? So you have to practice the fast tunes slow, but as if you were playing them fast. I know that's kind of a weird thing to say, but it's exactly what you have to do because you have to practice the, the vocabulary. You have to practice thinking at that fast speed, but slow. And you know, like when it's high, usually when it's fast, it's, usually high energy and you're playing maybe a little louder than you should be playing and all that kind of stuff so you have to simulate at least i think you have to simulate um that experience when you're practicing slow to be able to do it when you're going fast um, so that's where i would say nate is you're going to play whatever tunes that you want to play but play them slow and play it as if you're playing fast and then slow slowly uh, get it faster and faster. And then the last part of it, and the, this is the part that my students hate, is that you got to be able to play it faster than what you want to be able to be comfortable at. So meaning if you want to play it at 240 beats per minute, you got to play it at 300 beats per minute and get comfy so that when you're on the bandstand and you're actually playing and it's real time and people are interacting like we were talking about in the last question, uh, you can respond. You can actually respond. You can actually make something happen. So don't uh, don't distress. Take it take it slow. Practice like you're playing fast, but do it at a slow tempo. So hopefully that answers your question, Nate. Um, and then it was a long answer to a simple question. But um, we're gonna go back to Instagram. Feel free to drop in questions. Um, Carrie sending love from Tokyo back at you. Uh, there's some questions in Russian that I can't translate. There's one from Last Row Music to support artists. What is the best? for the artist physical c or digital download um buying it right from the artist is the best way you can support them streaming is great you know a, a cool way to support them but if you want to actually uh, support them financially you should go to bandcamp today may 1st bandcamp has no fees uh they're not taking any fees uh it's going all right to the artist so if you can go there and buy those that way the artists can help sustain themselves through this whole situation. Uh, that's best. Uh, the physical CD or digital download, um, I guess digital download is a little bit better because then they don't have to mail anything, I guess, if you want to really be specific about it. Buy, buying the digital download, even as an act of support, can be super helpful for artists. Um, 
whether it's a digital download of a book or a CD or whatever, you know, it's just a nice gesture if you really enjoy their music. Uh, I know it's easy to download stuff from Apple Music and Spotify, and um, we all do that. But um, being able to support the artists that you really like, it's going to help them to be able to create more stuff, uh, create more interesting music, create more opportunities in the future and just to sustain them. So uh, if you had to pick one, I guess digital download, but I think you could uh, either way is helpful and supported uh, for sure. So thank you for the question. Appreciate that. All right, scrolling through some more questions here. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I can't play. I don't know how to these Russian questions. I can't Maybe somebody could translate this. Maybe somebody who's on the stream now knows what that says. I'm guessing it's probably spam, is my guess. But um, all right, let's turn that off. Let's go back in here. So feel free to drop in some questions. Uh, I'm really excited. Uh, next week, I'm going to be really um, diving into sharing something about a really exciting summer program that I'm launching, uh, a jazz trombone boot camp. Uh, it's up on my website already. People can check it out if they want. But um, it's going to be really cool. Uh, just just got uh, a few really great guest artists lined up. Uh, the people, all the people that you would want to probably talk about, all in one place. You know, people like uh, Marshall Jilks and Elliot Mason, Ryan Keberly, uh James Burton, myself, and uh, we're going to be doing the summer jazz trombone boot camp. So if you want to take advantage of the fact that you're here on this live stream, and you can go and check it out first. Uh, it's up on my website, so you can go and check that out. But I'm really excited about that. And uh, like I said, when I jumped on the stream, we had just gotten off a studio class that we started for the virtual studio. So if you want to keep your learning uh, going this summer or you want to delve deeper into Jastromont's learning stuff, we have our the virtual studio that I've been running for the last three years. And we ex kind of some expanded offerings here for summer 2020 and probably into the future. Um, but uh, I won't spend this whole time make, turning this into an infomercial, I promise. I want to answer your questions if you guys have any. So drop them into the chat on Facebook. Drop them into the chat on Instagram. Um, I know sometimes like the hardest thing to do is to put yourself out there in a uh, setting like a, like a studio class. And if you have ever you know, played for your peers as a trombonist or as a jazz musician playing for other jazz musicians, um, James, uh, those black dots are just like a little overlay. I mean, no, they're uh, bugs crawling all over the ceiling. Um, no, they're part of the, uh, I just made this little overlay for Facebook. Um, so uh, come, the people that came into our studio class and played today, I was really glad to see them taking that step of putting themselves out there and playing for a very, uh, no, you know, a knowledgeable audience. I think sometimes the scariest audience to play for is your peers and people in the industry, people that know you, you know, like it's, it can be very stressful, uh, especially like playing last summer at the Inter International Tremont Festival or similar things. I'm sure other people experience, experience that. James, I'm glad you feel better now. <laughs> My ceiling's not about to collapse. But um, awesome. Well, today's Friday, May 1st, and we had a, had a couple of good questions today. And uh, feel free to drop one in in the next couple of minutes here, or else we'll just kind of wrap up for today. I've um, been doing a lot of video stuff this time. Uh, if you're not subscribed on YouTube, you might want to head over there. I post all these uh 
Q&As and lots of other stuff uh, over there on YouTube. So subscribe to that channel and you'll see all the videos, educational and performance. Uh, there was one more question here from Evan P. Gonzalez. When did you realize that you wanted to pursue music and what motivated you to go through it? Um, I, um, so I don't know. I don't know if there was a moment necessarily of like extreme clarity. There was lots of moments of encouragement that went towards wanting to do it. I decided I was going to pursue music in 10th grade. I was in a band that played at the essentially Ellington thing in New York. And it was pretty inspiring to me to like just be in an environment with other musicians who wanted to study music seriously. And so that was what kind of first motivated me to do it. And then I just went all in. I kind of like, after my freshman year of high school, I don't necessarily recommend this, but I dropped all non-essential classes, you know, and I just focused on music. I played in three bands and chorus and jazz band, just as much music as I possibly could. And just kind of, yeah, just totally all in and didn't look back. Um, and what motivated me to go through it? Um, is just that's what I wanted. That's what my goal is and was and still is to this day to like really participate in the, in the music, you know, that inspired me. And I want to be able to play as best I can. I don't know. As, I, not to like, I don't know. I want to play with people that are the best. You know, that's a goal of mine. I want to be as best as I can so that I can play with people that I re revere as the best, you know, and just that's what whatever field I had went into, I think I probably would have tried to execute at a high level. And it just I fell in love with jazz in 10th grade and I had been obsessed with trombone before that. So I guess it was trombone first and then uh, jazz in 10th grade. And then I just, you know, little successes built on little successes. But, you know, I. It's not, it hasn't been all success. I wanted to go to Juilliard for my undergrad, but it didn't happen. Uh, I didn't get in. I was studying with Wycliffe, who was teaching there, Wycliffe Gordon, and I still didn't get in, and it was a little disappointing, but it motivated me more to want to keep going, and it motivated me to make sure that I had my stuff together, and I, and I really had that goal for my master's, and I really wanted to move to New York and really wanted to play in the New York scene, and I don't know. I just said, there is no other option, and I'm just going to do it, and that's what I did. <clears throat> so I hope that answers your question, Evan. Let me see. It. There's a couple questions here that came in. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to answer these. Uh, from L Lisa, MBTS, she says, sorry, I'm guessing if it's it was a she, but I don't know why I said that, because I have no idea. Um, how do you learn tunes? I learn tunes now by listening to them and transcribing them off of records from people that I trust, meaning arrangers or singers or instrumentalists who I trust their musical judgment, that they're not going to play the changes wrong, basically, uh, that they're going to play some kind of version that is worth learning, basically, uh, trustworthy or somebody else would also respect them. So uh, not just like random Joe Schmo off YouTube, but I'm going to go to Nat King Cole and Frank Sinatra and Ella Fitzgerald and Sarah Vaughan to learn like a, a songbook tune. Or if it's a Benny Golson tune, I'm going to go to Benny Golson if there's a composer or something like that. And so I learned the melody first, then I learned the bass melody, the root melody, and then I learned the changes on piano, and then I play it, and then I uh, practice improvising over it. That's the short answer. Um, so the day I threw my real book away and started only using my ears was probably the 
most important day as a jazz musician and starting to focus on using um, the piano as a tool for learning tunes and a piano as a tune for getting better uh, with my ears and all of that stuff. Uh, those are like very, very important realizations for me in my musical development. So hopefully you can take that and run with it. Learn the piano, learn tunes by ear, throw away your real book because uh, it's only holding you back. 76 degrees west band how did you learn to play bebop and what and what did you work on first um that's a good question i'm trying to think of the best way to answer it how did i learn bebop i learned bebop by having a teacher who had me play bebop first of all and he would stop me and tell me when i was playing stuff correctly and when i was playing it incorrectly and quote unquote correctly meaning um like how it might have been played by Dizzy or Bird or JJ. Just trying to emulate, right? So just trying to learn how to emulate as best you can first before you try to put your own spin on it. Uh, I'm going to, uh, that's how I learned how to do it. So transcribing Bud Powell, transcribing Bird, transcribing Clifford Brown, transcribing Hank Mobley, transcribing, you know, people that played bebop. So sometimes we go too far in either direction i feel like in defining like maybe what bebop is or like what is included in bebop but i'm talking bird dizzy gillespie clifford brown you know bebop bebop sunny stitt there's something I there's so many i mean slide plays that way jj curtis um like real bebop and just transcribing that stuff having a teacher like steve teray who would go and get in your ear and be like no that's not it more accents play it this way it's downbeat accents. And then from there, I like to learn that first and focus my students in on bebop stuff. And then we kind of explore outward from there, going you know, totally free, going backwards to um, tailgating and New Orleans style stuff. And so in all directions from there. So you got to transcribe and listen to real bebop, Bud Powell uh, and all of these, these guys. Um, that's how you learn it. Unfortunately, there's no, there's no shortcut. No shortcut through it. You've got to go right through it head first and and develop develop your sense of phrasing and accents um, by listening and transcribing there's no other no other shortcuts um, all right when you play high notes you're supposed to increase that air pressure but how would you actually do that it's from Saudi Arabia okay so high notes you're not include you're not increasing the air pressure you're increasing the air speed and focus and you do that by changing the vowel shape inside your mouth to uh, from a to e right you go i and as you do that the e syllable puts the tongue higher in the back of your mouth which makes the air go faster so if i try to do like an octave rip from f to f i i'm not singing the right pitches cuz i can't sing that high but um, it'll help you to get up and back down and so you got to increase the airspeed push the air and kind of uh, increase the airspeed and focus and flow so it's not like more pressure by putting more pressure or getting back pressure in your throat you're going to end up hurting yourself and it's not going to actually achieve what you're looking to achieve so you got to relax the throat you got to relax um your breathing cavities, your your lower your stomach, your diaphragm, and then you push the air out, focused and fast. That's how you get the high notes to come out. Uh, not by having air, not by thinking about pressure. Thinking about pressure is leading you down the wrong uh, path for sure. 
uh, and it, pressure and tension are the enemy of good brass playing. That's 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 that. Hopefully that will help you, uh, Saudi Arabia. All right, a couple more questions here. Let's see. One minute ago, thoughts on jazz bass trombone? It's great. Um, I've been accepting jazz bass trombone players into our studio at UNT. Um, there's no reason not to play jazz on bass trombone. Uh, there's lots of great improvisers these days on bass trombone. We have two jazz bass trombone um, instrumentalists at UNT um, that are focusing on that. And you just play the same stuff, just down an octave. So play JJ down an octave, play Curtis down an octave, play Slide down an octave. Uh, one playing Clifford Brown down two octaves, you know. It's, it's just a different range. You could transcribe bass solos or Barry solos because uh, that'll help you to understand um, that register, I guess. It's a, just a little tricky because it's slower to respond. So you have to anticipate that it is slower to respond and be on top of the time and on top of uh, uh, your articulation. It has to be more forward, it has to be more clear to get it to execute, but I, there's no reason not to be a, an improviser on bass trombone. Um, there's plenty of them, and you might as well do it. You know, my whole thing is that I think being an improviser is the highest level of musicianship to execute uh, exactly what you hear in your head clearly and concisely and consistently uh, is a, an amazing feat. And so regardless of what instrument that you decide to do it on, you're trying to get your musicianship to a place where you can be in that flow. And so I, to me, it doesn't matter whether you're playing tenor or bass. So do it. Play jazz, bass, trombone. Uh, it is not It is not, not a thing. It is a thing. Definitely, definitely go after it if you are a person that plays bass, trombone, and is interested in jazz. We need more. All right. I think we've come to the end of our questions for today. Yeah. I don't see anyone else in the chat. So thanks for being here. Thanks for being on Facebook. Thanks for being on Instagram. I'm going to sign off for today, but we'll be back next Friday, same time, 2.15 Eastern, 1.15 uh, Central. Uh, trying to do all the – L.A. would be what time? 11.15 a.m. So I want everybody to be awake. But uh, I know it's evening in Europe, but what are you going to do? got to pick a time sometime. So happy May 1st. Uh, hope everyone is doing well during all this craziness, and uh, I look forward to seeing you when it's all over. So uh, to have a great weekend, and we will see you back here in a week.